circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And tonight we celebrate Pride with Pride in the Plaza. Concord's annual event hosted by Rainbow Community Center of Contra Costa. On tonight's show, we'll hear sounds from the annual event, including youth poets, also interviews with organizers and participants. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freebone Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok Territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I am your host tonight. And yes, tonight we say happy Pride to you all. And in honor of Pride Month, we will feature voices gathered at the 13th annual Pride in the Plaza. This family-friendly event was organized by Rainbow Community Center of Contra Costa, a free event, Pride in the Park, offers music, performances by local LGBTQIA plus talent, uh, vendors, local organizations, as well as, of course, delicious food and drink. And Pride in the Plaza is a day full of queer joy, celebration, pride, visibility, representation, and the supportive embrace of the community. This first segment kicks off with an interview with organizers from Rainbow Community Center of Contra Costa. Earlier, before the interview on stage, the city council presented them with a proclamation recognizing Rainbow Community Center and the day as Pride in the Plaza Day. We'll also hear a newly named executive director of Rainbow Community Center, Bella Aldama, and one of the youth poets who performed on stage. Check it out. All right, this is uh, Freewell and Franklin, and as you can hear in the background, we're here at the Concord Pride in the Plaza. I think I said it, Pride in the Park earlier. Sorry about that. I'm here with a couple of the organizers, all right, and they're um, from the Rainbow Community Center. I'll just have you introduce yourselves. Kelly Ferguson, Director of Development. Hi, my name's Dodie Zotai. I'm the Interim Executive Director. Rebecca Coffey, and I'm the Director of Clinical Services. All right, and I heard it's Bex. Yes, it's Bex. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, good to um, see you all here. Well, first, let me start off with you, Kelly. Uh, tell me about the event today and how long it's been going on and um, how excited you are about it. So this is our 13th annual Pride in the Plaza event. Um, we suspended the event in the pandemic, so we haven't hosted this event for four years since 2019. So we're super, super excited to be here. This is our longest standing and biggest Pride event in all of Contra Costa County. Um, we've got tons of community supportive affirming companies, businesses, individuals, families, 
Um, we have local electeds here, so it's an amazing day. We're super excited to be here in Todos Santos Plaza in Concord, just steps away from the Rainbow Community Center over on Salvio Street. And how about you, um, Dodie? Uh, tell me about your role here and how excited you are that this is actually back. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've been coming to before when it was a small, tiny picnic over at Heather Farms, like probably 10 years ago, so I'm dating myself. Um, I've been with the organization for about 15 years as a volunteer. Uh, I was on the board of directors for about six years, and then I've just been uh, working to support the leadership team for the last six months while they haven't had a permanent ED. And we're super excited today. We're gonna be announcing our next leader of the organization, and I think everyone will be very, very excited and proud. Um, and it's going to bring a lot to the organization. Um, I also have a little kiddo who is a non-binary nine-year-old and he goes to Camp Fierce, uh, which is our summer camp. Uh, so there are a few more spots if folks want to join. And then monthly little unicorns. Um, tell us a little bit more about Camp Fer uh, Fierce real quick. Oh, so Camp Fierce is an LGBTQIA plus uh, camp for third through ninth graders. And it's one week for a third through six and another for sixth through ninth and it is an affirming, um, fun, supportive camp for kiddos. They have lots of events that they get to do, be in community with each other. And I know my kiddo said, mommy, there's kiddos like me. So it's really just a place for them to be themselves and have a lot of fun. Right, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But Bex, uh, tell us what uh, your role is here and um, about your feeling about the pride in the plaza uh, being back. I'm so happy it's back. Representation is so important. It's so important for folks' mental health to see other people who are like them out and about in the community. Um, I run the clinical department, so we have therapists that we train from a trainee all the way up to a licensed clinician. And because we offer trainees and interns, we can charge lower fees for folks and make it more accessible. We also take Medi-Cal, which not many places do. So we try to make our services as accessible to folks as we can. We do individual, we do family, we do groups, um, all sorts of programs that we have here at the Rainbow Center. And clinical is just a small part of that, but it's such a big help for our community, huge. When you're part of a marginalized community, a lot of time you face extra extra stress out in the world just being yourself and being who you're comfortable being and so being able to see that represented in a therapist being able to see that represented in a community who comes out here and celebrates who they are is so important we we lose so many youth because they don't feel represented because they feel alone and isolated mental health services tries to get them in tries to show them other people who are like them as well as give them a safe space to talk about it and tell us some of the differences it could make in a child's life when the community around them accepts them for their, who they are. Yeah, well, my kiddo is uh, transgender, non-binary, and also neurodiverse, um, so he's on the autism spectrum. And I actually, um, we sent him for the first time to another camp the other week here in Concord. And um, unfortunately, the first day he told them he was non-binary and they told him he needed to pick boy or girl. Uh, for how they were breaking up the groups and he came home sobbing and just and he has an affirming and supportive household and for him it was very traumatic he was like I don't want to go back to any other camps again just camp fierce just camp fierce and so I think having um, the understanding and the cultural competencies where you understand how to work with youth to affirm who they are to um, represent them and they see folks like them so from the campers to the teens who actually are some of the, the counselors we actually train them it's called team fierce um, so the youth get um, some training on CPR and 
uh, de-escalation strategies and how to be a camp counselor, and then our staff, right, work and support them. And so just having that environment gives kids a space where they don't have to constantly say and argue. Like my kid's nine, he's also on the autism spectrum. He had to try to argue and at a certain point, right, that's just mentally taxing. Um, so when kids don't have a supportive environment, it can be very detrimental. And so protective factors are just creating an affirming environment. All right, back to you, Kelly. Um, again, just kind of reiterate what she's saying, how important it is to have a community like this today, but also a supportive family and community and what it could mean for kids. Yeah, you know, Rainbow Community Center, we're the only LGBTQ service provider in all 19 cities and towns in Contra Costa County. And I can't tell you how much it means to have that wraparound, comprehensive, one-stop shop model. Um, you know, a lot of the needs that we're talking about, it's like kids being affirmed in a way that can provide um, support for them that will stay with them throughout their entire lives. It's like our HIV and STI program. It's our clinical mental health services. It's helping people, you know, access employment and if they're having issues with discrimination and it's just honestly a safe place where they know that they'll be understood celebrated centered um, and have access to free resources so i would say you know that's why we're here and i know you got to go i'll get one more from you if i can um, tell us how you're feeling give us the thumbnail about what happened with the funds and then how you're feeling that the city of Concord finally um, turned around and supported the Rainbow Community Center. How do I feel? I feel amazing. I feel amazing because we took a story where we really felt like we were being marginalized, we were being sidelined. We called them in, the council. We had a lot of meetings, a lot of conversations. We put the story out there and we believe in, within this ecosystem, we need all different sectors to work together, healthcare, nonprofit, the schools, local elected officials, and the Concord City Council really understood our call to action and they've met it. It's not only the $60,000 of funding from the Cannabis Community Benefit Fund, it's additionally that they open an LGBTQ seat in the Homeless Strategic Working Group, which is important because homelessness is overrepresented, you know, LGBTQ youth are 120 times more likely to experience homelessness in their lifetimes than the general population. We felt it was really urgent that in this group that's comprised of city leaders and lots of other folks in Concord addressing homelessness that there's a representative from the community and they elected our youth housing director to serve in that capacity. And so we've made tremendous progress. We're really proud of the partnership and we believe in working within the local ecosystem working with local elected officials and everybody because we're the only service provider we need to strengthen this community and do what we do so that it's a more inclusive place for everybody and last thing where can people follow rainbow community center online or uh, on social media we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on facebook and you can check out our website www.rainbowcc.org all right kelly thank you very much thank you, thank you so much thank you Dodie. thank you thank you bex you're welcome. <laughs> All right. All right, this is Freewell and Franklin here, and we just had a great announcement that there's finally um, a new executive director of Rainbow Community Center. As our listeners may know, Kiku Johnson was the former executive director, and we just had as interim. Dodie Sontire. Yeah, Dodie. Um, so she, we interviewed her earlier, and now. Bella Aldama yes. is now the new executive director of Rainbow Community Center. Congratulations, first off. Thank you, thank you so much. I'm so excited for this journey and I'll continue to grow and expand the services that we offer at Rainbow Community Center for all of Contra Costa residents. And you can, can you kind of tell us a little bit of your story? Because I understand you volunteered as a, a young adult and then you've kind of grown through your positions there and now at the very top. Tell us about um, when you started and what it was like your journey. 
Yeah, I, I actually started as a youth program participant when I was 14. So it, it was really helpful for me as, you know, as an immigrant new to the States and coming out, it was pretty much a, a safe space for me to be a part of and also finding my own identity as a gay man. Uh, learning different things that, that I didn't know existed or services for the LGBTQ community and uh, just working at Rainbow multiple positions that cover HIV and STI prevention, uh, youth programming, older adults, and even volunteering, giving back to what once helped me has been really beneficial for me as a person and also to build communities and through partnerships here in Contra Costa with different organizations, businesses, and donors. Tell me how important uh, Rainbow Community Center was to you as a young adult. It, it was really important because when I when I came when I came here to the states, I was having a really hard time finding a, a group or or having friends to interact with. Also, not knowing that that I was gay, I, I and also not speaking English, it, it was really tough for me to you know find a group where I felt that I would belong. And being at Rainbow really made me visualize myself as a person and as a part of the queer community and also connecting with other people that felt the same and uh, working with people that that understood what I was going through was very, very helpful for me as a, as a young teen, but also as, adult, as an adult growing through my rainbow positions. And right now, throughout the country, trans rights and gay rights are under attack. What do you look forward to doing as the new executive director at Rainbow to just help protect folks here in the Contra Costa area? I, I, I want to continue to uplift staff and community members while also sharing some of the struggles that our community continues to face daily and especially for, for women, uh, women of color, trans people and uh, African American communities. It, it's been really tough and, and especially, you know, all the attacks that have happened uh, to our trans and uh, drag community. I really want to uplift different resources that, that we offer at Rainbow while also sharing our, our experiences to, to receive more support from uh, all communities. And I understand the city recently um, kind of did a turnaround and decided to help fund Rainbow. Tell me how you're feeling about um, the transition of the city to actually support the, really the only LGBTQIA plus support group in the area. Um, how's that got you feeling? Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of nonprofits rely on support from city council and also funding from some from different sources. So it is very important to to have communication and connection with, with people that could actually help us advocate for one another. And, and just having the support from city council has been very impactful. I, I've been to the city council meetings and I've seen staff, I've seen board members, community members, parents, youth, just speaking up about all the, the services that, that we are requiring as a, as a nonprofit, but also as an LGBTQ community, because it's really important to highlight the, you know, the need of, of our community, especially being uh, the only LGBTQ nonprofit in Contra Costa. What would be like the one last important thing you would just say to kids or people out there um, that feel still isolated or struggling? 
know, what's some important advice that you could offer since, you know, you kind of transformed from someone that was just a kid doing uh, your thing to now the head of this important organization? I think it's really important to, to let the youth community know that they're not alone and that sometimes we don't receive support from our loved ones or from, you know, from our family, but there are many people looking out for, for us and for our community. So always um, ask and uh, ask and ask your mentors uh, or any anyone that you trust if you need any specific service like mental health, HIV testing, or just a connection to your own community. Please find find someone or come to Rainbow Community Center. We're we're very 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 glad to help you, and 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 hopefully you know we can continue helping each other as a community because I know it's tough to to not receive you know assistance from from schools or from teachers or from parents so I'll always find someone that could help you out someone that you trust and also you know feel free to come and join some of the rainbow services that we provide all right Bella Aldama Aldama yeah I got it. Thank yeah. you very much for thank speaking you. with us, thank and congratulations. So I'm so excited for thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you for making it here in a hot day. It's, it's really important to show up, especially during Pride and this hard time, so thank you for taking the time to join us today. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. All right, so um, I'm going to introduce, I, 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 I want to say my student, but they're not my student anymore because they just graduated. In fact, all the young poets you're going to see up here just graduated from high school. Can we give it up for graduating from high school during a pandemic? Oh my goodness. Uh, so I am so excited to bring up this poet. Um, I'm not going to spoil it. No, I'm going to spoil it. Um, I want you to be extra nice to them because this is their first pride. So can everybody give it up for a second for Lee? Hey y'all, I'm Lee. I just graduated from Clayton Valley. Yeah, this is my first Pride, so I'm super excited to be here. The piece that I'm gonna read today is, I mean, it's such a beautiful day, it's so warm, but this, is, this was written back in Thanksgiving during a colder time, but this poem is about my experience growing up in a religious household and being queer and yeah, just growing into this community that's so beautiful, so. This is Thanksgiving Garrison. They are killing us. Mom rings grandma and the Thanksgiving Garrison charges forward with a bang, strategically outlining turkey and potatoes, talking pies, porcelain and placements, tongues spewing molten words, forging an effigy to a golden calf of war because this is their divine. Yet, construction cornerstoned on conservative news and holiday booze halts when mom mentions sibling. A week ago, she finally didn't use their dead name, didn't make their identity a prisoner of war a few days ago. She didn't shudder when I hushed the dandelion teeth of my crush's name into the wind. My heart grew daisies at the chance that maybe she had changed her mind, maybe they have changed their minds, but mom's voice 
hisses mustard gas through the phone. Each sprout coils into the soil at the bigotry they so comfortably fling off their tongues, covering my field of flowers with sandbags. It is what they have always done. They are killing us. To them, liking her is a proclamation of war. The pride flag in my room is a gunshot. Our queerness is a landmine that could detonate at any minute. To them, we are a rebellion. A hand held in public is an invasion of territory, a right reserved for the heteronormative hierarchy. To them, we are blazing their patriarchy. We are a nuclear threat to their nuclear family. They think we bombed the Beaumont with indignation disguised as love. Our gay personalities are just too much to deserve the same things as them, to live the same lives, to sit at the same Thanksgiving tables. They are killing us. They arm their artilleries with phrases of it's just a phase and blame the gay agenda like they don't have an agenda of their own, like they don't wish to extinguish the flames of our freedom, our love, like they don't have soldiers at the front lines with slurs, abuse, and hate ready to open fire. They are killing us. You are killing us. Like, this is not a war that you yourself have started. Our existence brings you fear, so you are killing us. Why else are we four times as likely victims of violent crime? Why else would you make our queer spaces dangerous places? Why else are the murders of 302 gender non-conforming people last year anything other than a tragedy to you? Our existence brings you fear, so you are killing us because for centuries, our love has stood firm. Like a seed planted among the rocks, our love has propagated among your propaganda and prejudice. Your injustice gave us the strength to reach out of the dark and to grow towards the light. We have adapted to survive every circumstance, withstanding any fire you have set alight to decimate us because we have chosen to exist outside of your hate. We have chosen to grow up rather than to tear down the power to bring love and life contained within just the tips of our fingers would devastate your entire ecosystem. So the question stands, how many skeletons will grow in the graveyard under your Thanksgiving table before you realize that there was never an enemy to begin with? Thank you so much for listening to me. Yes, welcome back. You're listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And tonight we are celebrating Pride with the 13th annual Pride in the Plaza event held last week at Todo Santos Plaza in Concord, California. Let's continue the celebration in this next segment, it kicks off with Sage, a trans activist who took to the stage to share the story of her journey. Then we'll hear more from the youth poets and a poem from Sylvain. Check it out on KPFA. Hi family, I'm Sage. So I didn't prepare a speech, right? Because I love speaking from my heart. And this is, well, it's not even an issue. To some people it is, right? My transness is an issue, but it's not for me. I was asked by Rainbow Community Center, thank you so much for inviting me here, to speak about my trans experience, and I said yes. I said hell yes, especially because of what's going on right now in the world, especially in America, right? Me existing is a political statement. 
And so just a little bit about me, I did not start my, I did not even know that I was trans until last year in January of 2022. What happened was I was living life as a cisgendered gay male and it wasn't until I did some extensive therapy and something happened in my life where I had to, I found myself in rehab and through rehab and doing extensive, um, you know, inner work, I was able to find out who I really was. And then I came out as trans and you guys, when I tell you that when I finally knew who I was, I broke down crying because I did not want to carry that load. I did not want that, right? Because I know, because I have trans sisters and brothers, and I know that the, the weight that they carry every day. But you know, she has strong shoulders, so she can carry it. Um, <laughs> and in that therapy office, what flew through my mind is because I've been married to uh, a man for like 19 years. Yeah, and I love him so much, right? And we share two boys together and even a golden retriever. <laughs> and I knew that me coming out as trans was going to jeopardize that relationship. So I began my transition anyway, right? Because I truly believe that if we don't live authentically and our true self, the other things in our lives will start to fall apart. Right? And so then I started living authentically as Sage. So then I started to transition medically um, last year in June. And what I can say is living life as trans is not as easy as saying that I am female. It's not. There is so much at stake. What people don't understand is like there are people who are going to love you who will find it hard to and um and you have to allow them to process because i'm about to be 46 right and i am just now getting used to sage but i am asking for my friends and family members to hurry up and accept her over just such a short, you know, amount of time. And so, um, so I have to give grace, right? Where grace is deserved and I give it to my family members and my friends. Um, what I can say is living life as a trans woman, one of the things that I struggle with on a daily basis is um, when I'm out to eat or I'm, I'm out shopping and there is only a women's restroom or a men's restroom, right? And I stand in the middle of those two choices. And that is the hardest decision that I have to make on any given day. Because I have to decide whether or not I look female enough or if I feel brave enough to walk into a male's restroom or disregard the looks from women when I'm in there washing my hands or using, doing whatever I need to do, right? That is a struggle that I have to struggle, every, struggle with every day. 
And another thing, like I said, I have two boys and a husband and, um, you know, understanding that they also are going through a transition and they have to deal with, you know, society's opinions about me, right? And, you know, and that's one of the few, some of the few things that I have to, that I struggle with every day. But what I can say is, when I look at pictures of myself today and pictures of myself from just a year ago, I can look into my eyes in those pictures and I can see such a difference in how like I am. I have so much light today in my eyes. Like you guys, I love, I love a sage today. You know, and it was a hard road getting here. And what I want to say to all my trans sisters, my trans brothers, it's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. And you know, just like what they say in recovery, you are not alone. I remember my first gay pride. I remember my first gay pride and um, I came out when I was 19. And I remember going to the city and you know, all of these queers on, uh, on BART and I was happy with just that, right? I remember getting off at the Powell Street bar station and walking up with my friends with all our rainbow gear, right? And right when we hit that platform in Market Street, and I looked out, and I seen all the queer people, and I knew that I was no longer alone. I love you all, and if no one has ever told you today, get new friends, but I love you, and, uh, um, Oh, wait, I was going to say, I'll take another 24. I'm like, this is a recovery meeting. But I will. I will. <laughs> I think that that's all I have to share. I love you all. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your life today. Thank you. Hi, what's up? My name is Sylvain. I'm so excited. And I'm so thankful to see everyone coming out here today, see all of you beautiful people here. I'm very excited because this is my first performance since I've graduated. Well, actually, this is, thank you. This is all our first performances since we've graduated, but I think that's pretty cool and pretty special. Thank you. So my poem is called Femininity in All the Wrong Places. I'm someone who I'm kind of in a, a little bit of a, a silly situation. I'm a gender non-conforming trans man, which basically means that anyone who sees me assumes that I'm a cis woman, which it, it's okay, it happens, but you know. I just wanted to write a poem that, you know, maybe some people could relate to, especially since I don't see a lot of media that I could personally relate to about this kind of, you know, situation and just the way that I live my life, especially if you grew up in a very non-supportive household and didn't really have the time when you were younger to really explore your identity, hopefully this is something that you can relate to. So yeah. Closing my eyes, I can still smell the concoction of shampoo and generational cynicism. 
Sitting upon the counter of the white, misleading kitchen I'd sift for substantial scraps at, my matching-colored bridesmaid dress wrapped tightly around my waist as I scrubbed and scrubbed at my hair, dipping it underneath the rushing water of the sink. I never understood why the spirit of mine was injected into such a vessel, or what sort of higher power would decide to let such an eccentric, compulsory, bright-eyed child with a family who would give them the stars from the sky if it was what made them happy, desire something much more blinding than those mere astral bodies. As holidays and birthdays and presents came around, boxes and boxes of materialistic mementos wrapped up in such flashy packaging were presented, with family members hovering around me as if moths drawn to a flame, eager for my reaction. And not wanting to let them down, I'd sputter out the remnants of a campfire unable to verbalize my disappointment of seeing the incorrect name on their adoration-filled Christmas cards. I'd never wanted to wear dresses or do my makeup or grow into my so-called womanhood. The thought of wearing a dress made my blood boil, and I'd cut at the skirt to let it sizzle and seep through the expensive fabric. I wasn't ungrateful, not at all. I just wanted a more striking button-down suit for my middle school graduation. However, there were times I didn't quite feel comfortable in that sort of skin either, sliding between the two extremities of masculine and feminine. Yet it wasn't despite those who cared for me, I just simply didn't understand, and the frustration they presented before me rather than the compassionate open arms made me dismiss the concept with my own mantra. Reset, try it again tomorrow. But it wasn't just some hormonal-induced rage of my preteen adolescence. As I grew into my own being, the kind where I could feel my ribcage vibrate against my heartbeat, where I grew into that sentient awareness of nature that our parents are possessed with, I still longed for a concept larger than myself. I grew into the romantic lifestyle that the American culture is obsessed with, expecting the uncertainty in my early years to be free and fleeing. And yet, no matter if I wore my favorite leather jacket because I'd feel invincible like James Dean, or the occasional little black dress that captured the elegance of Audrey Hepburn, my girlness was always much too violently pronounced as the guys around me would say, I wasn't like any other girl they had met before, and they would soon realize it was because I wasn't one. After a while, their infatuation would lead down a different path, one of confusion or disdain, as if my existence was a personal attack against them. Because if I am not a girl to be rescued by their fragile sense of masculinity, then what am I? It was not until I felt the earthly fabrics of cloth against my androgynous skin, or until I had reached my freshman year, feeling isolated on a class trip within a supposed all-girls cabin. I didn't hate wearing dresses or makeup or being feminine at all. I just hated what they stood for. You mourn for my what could have been. You ask me, what are you trying to prove? The proof is the evidence of my existence, the worth and value I know I have. Whether I'm wearing a dress or a suit is irrelevant. No matter how girly or boyish I may seem, whatever it is any of that means, I am still the same child I once was, just in thicker, different skin thicker and firmer with my life experiences tattooed across my body. Still, the small version of myself sitting upon that porcelain kitchen counter, just in an older structure, and with the sound of rushing water, I dip my head in. Thank you.
Thank you very much. I hope you guys have an awesome Pride. Thank you for having me and everyone else. All right, this is B1 Franklin. I'm still here at the uh, Pride in the Plaza in Concord, California. And we just had a performance of poetry from a crew here and started with a teacher. Let me have you introduce yourself, teacher, and tell me the name of your poetry group. Yeah, so uh, my name is Casey Gardner, and I'm the coach of the Creatio Veritas, a.k.a. the CV Slam Team. We're from Clayton Valley Charter High School. Oh, Clayton Valley, KVHS. Yes. And uh, how about you? Hi, my name's Elijah Wilson. I am a former senior in high school, and I am one of the members of Creatio Veritas. Hi, I'm Elle Fardella. I am a graduate of CV and former member of Creatio Veritas. Hi, I'm Lee Lopez. I'm also a part of uh, the CV Slam team. I'm Sylvain Thurman, and I'm also part of the CV Slam team, former graduate. All right, and I'll just uh, work my way back around. And uh, well, you just did a poem, and both of you two here, it was your first Pride. Um, tell me what it was like to get up on stage and do a poem at a Pride festival. It was so exciting, honestly. I was admittedly a little nervous. I don't get stage fright, but I get very, very nervous before I go up. But whenever I go up, it's just such a great time. And I was super happy to like have this event to be my first time going up for a Pride Parade. So I was, I was very happy. And remind me your name? Uh, Sylvain. <laughs> and you are again? Lee, um, yeah, I felt really, it felt freeing to perform on stage. Um, I haven't, I didn't really have a creative outlet before I joined um, CV Slam team and that gave me an awesome space to be queer and um, I think performing up there was my first experience really being part of, I don't know, yeah, being part of the LGBTQ plus community like in public so it just felt super freeing. Alright and you haven't performed yet, remind us who you are and then tell me how you're feeling. Hi, I'm Elle Fardella. I'm feeling so good. I'm so glad to be here. Um, just being surrounded by my community feels so like safe. And even though there are some haters out there, like we're not gonna let them, you know, stamp on our pride. So yeah, I'm so excited to perform and share my work and happy to be here. And you tell me about how you're feeling. Remind us of your name and uh, tell us how you're feeling getting ready to do your poem later today. Um, my name is Elijah Wilson, and I am feeling nervous, as I do every time before I go up on stage, but also very excited to be around this beautiful community and my teammates and some friends that I made literally today, so I am so grateful that I get this opportunity. And Casey, uh, tell us about um, why you feel it's so important to give the youth an outlet like this to be free, um, to be themselves, and to be able to share uh, pers personal, sometimes intimate details in their poetry. Yeah, I mean, I think that this group is a really wonderful testament to why it's so important. I mean, I've watched each of them kind of grow as individuals and just come into their voices, like literally watching them go from you know, adolescents to adults and doing that by using their voices and talking about their lives and their experiences and also just affecting other people, you know, really 
um, making an impact on their community and understanding that their stories really do have value and, and touch the lives of so much, uh, so many people outside of themselves. That's that's just been um, extremely wonderful to watch and why why I do this work. And is this a, a thing only at the school or can people outside the school join kids? Um, so right now we are just based at um, Clayton Valley High School, but um, there are uh, other groups that are popping up that are doing spoken word in our community. Um, definitely the larger Bay Area has uh, groups like Youth Speaks that um, foster youth voice. So um, we definitely do a lot of work with them. And um, we just kind of linked up with the Rainbow Center this year to you know see how we could support them with the art that we do. So, yeah. All right. And Elijah, what's been your experience going through high school um, being the person that you are? Less than ideal, to say the very least. I was in a place that wasn't great for the literally 18 years of my life, and then I got kicked out when I was 18, and then I had to go through rest school. Rest of high school, I struggled a lot. My grades took a big hit, and it was hard, but I got through it, and eventually I, I graduated. So, you know, it just goes to show that, like, when you give people the space to be themselves, that's where they thrive. So. And what about you all? Just go kind of around the, the room here. What has your high school experience been like? Kind of kind of a roller coaster. As Miss G will attest to, I was not, you know, the best student. Creatively though, I feel like that was really my, my niche. And I really found myself in this team, especially because I, I felt like I could genuinely like evolve my skills and it, it really did help me to be a better student even in my senior year when I was already leaving high school so I'm really grateful for for the opportunity that I had and how was your high school experience you know it, it was a mixed bag I really I feel like having my siblings my siblings are the most important people in my life I think my high school experience would have been very poor if I didn't have my siblings like continuously supporting me and encouraging me to explore and challenge my beliefs and um, explore who I am as a person and I feel like overall I've grown into myself and grown into my community in a way that I'm just so thankful for all right um, and your high school experience? I feel like if you asked me like four years ago and now you'd get a very different answer. Um, I feel like it was not the best, but I'm glad it happened, I think is the best way that I could sum it up. I was going to private school for most of my life, and then the first year of high school I also went to private school, and then I transferred to public school, which was a very big difference, especially for someone who's queer, because it was kind of like I had like the option to be more expressive of myself that I previously didn't have, but it was also kind of like also having a weird experience of having to have the reaction from other students who maybe like just didn't understand like they didn't know like my story and everything like that so that kind of made it complicated but I feel like for the most part I'm glad that it happened even if everything was not as ideal as I'd like it to be. Okay I'm gonna go back around and with the same question um, so what really helped you out getting through a high school and just becoming a young adult what was the, the most important thing that helped you? Um, honestly, aside from like poetry, because that was definitely been like the biggest thing, just writing in general has always been a great outlet for me. I feel like just, I don't know, I, having like a community, no matter how small it was, just having people that I could talk to, I think has been the most important part. Whether that be like online or like in person, I just feel like having that community was like a big thing that really, really helped me throughout that time of my life. 
and you have what helped you out the most getting through some of the rough times? So I would say what helped me out the most, like learning has helped me out the most and that's been like facilitated by my teachers and by my family. I mean like I came, like I mentioned before I performed, I came from a very religious upbringing and so when I first entered high school like I had very, um, like very closed mindsets and I feel like because of my teachers, because of the classes that I've taken, because of the, my teammates and the people in my life who've pushed me to go outside of my comfort zone, that's helped me get through my the hard times and they've helped me cope with um, the struggles one my face is like a young queer person discovering themselves so yeah and you what about the um what was the biggest thing that helped you out getting through some of the rough times in high school so a lot of the rough times that i experienced in high school were due to just not being in a very welcome and accepting environment at home but i am fortunate enough to have a found family and so they really did help me out and i love my mother she also helped me out very much and that kind of seeped into like my performance in high school like I felt like when when I was um, doing worse grade-wise it was when I wasn't um, being exposed to that welcoming environment that my found family provided for me but then when I finally um, stepped out and began to realize oh I actually deserve love and like acceptance then I that also translated into me getting better grades so that really did help me all right and what helped you out through your rough times you said you had a, a rough growing up your first 18 years what was it that really stood out that showed you like some light at the end of the tunnel that it's not all bad well first off this beautiful human being my coach and teacher Casey Gardner whenever I was having a rough day whenever I was you know just not having it I could I could always go to Miss Gardner and she'd just be there whether I just needed to sit or I need someone to talk to whether she'd be in the middle of class and I just walk in and sit down and just like she was always there for me and I will always be grateful for that and also this community the LGBT community that just like embraced me Rainbow Community Center that like housed me and just all the people in my life that were really there for me, whether it be financially, emotionally, whatever, they were just there, and I'm just so grateful for all the help I've had. All right, well, I'll wrap it up with you, Miss Gardner. Um, how's it feel to hear all that? I know I could see your emotions. I, you know, I just love these guys, and I, I feel like it's such a blessing to work with all of them. Um, and so, you know, to know that I've, I've made an impact on them in some way, um, it's the greatest blessing, and it's, it's why I show up in the classroom day after day. It's why I do this work. It's why spoken word is such a big part of um, my work as a teacher. So um, I'm just really grateful and, and so happy to, to see them become what they are. All right. Well, thank you for all your hard work, Ms. Gardner. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you all that you all do a, a together. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I'm Prewell and Franklin, and you just heard my interview with Creatio Veritas. And shout out to Miss Casey, the instructor, and to the crew, Elijah Wilson, El Fardella, Lee Lopez, and Sylvain Thurman. We are getting ready to close out the show tonight. We have been sharing sounds from the Pride in the Plaza event 2023. The yearly gathering is organized by Rainbow Community Center of Contra Costa. 
one of the only support groups for the LGBTQIA plus communities in Contra Costa. Please head over to rainbowcc.org to learn more about the services they offer and how you can support Rainbow Community Center. We'll also post a link to Rainbow on our website just after the show tonight. As always, that's kpfaapprentice.org. Now, to close out the show, I want to share this interview with Christina Zaldana. She's the volunteer and food pantry coordinator at Rainbow, and she's also a trans activist. Then we'll close out the show with one more poem from Miss Casey Gardner, the Creatio Veritas instructor. All right, I'm here, uh, Free Will and Franklin, wrapping up my day here at the Pride in the Park, and I actually ran into someone that knows me from being on the air. Uh, I'm gonna have you introduce yourself and tell us what you do for Rainbow Community Center. Hi, Free William Franklin, everybody. Uh, I'm Christina Saldana. I'm uh, the food pantry manager and the volunteer coordinator for Rainbow Community Center. And in your position, what do you organize for the community out here? Yes, we do a lot, and I know I just said my titles, but we do more than that. Um, I actually also put together, organize a lot of trans events. We had a Trans Day of Visibility, Trans Day of Remembrance, and we just had our first trans gathering. Um, so, but we also, uh, with the food pantry, we serve the community, LGBTQ community, uh, seniors, uh, immune compromised folks, and now we've opened it up just to anybody that wants food. Uh, in the volunteer coordinator department, we uh, try to get as many volunteers that we can. If you want to volunteer for Rainbow, please uh, see me, contact me. We need you, and and you you really must be out here to show visibility. And we'll talk about the trans community right now because it seems like across the country, uh, trans folks are under attack. Whether it's some new law or um, some new bill passed, um, how does that leave you feeling personally? I think we've always been going through that. Um, it's just being voiced now. Um, everybody has their own opinion on that. Um, but, you know, this is why Rainbow has been here. Uh, we want to uh, show presence. We want to show that we're here and not run away. And do you think Rainbow and their organizing and being visible out here just is one way to battle that? Yes, visibility uh, creates a community. Uh, without all these people that are here right now, there is no community. We encourage everybody to really please get involved in the community to show presence and to survive. And what about uh, being back in the parks or the plaza? Could I understand that you guys didn't do uh, any uh, pride in the plaza for the last couple years during COVID? What's it like to be back in person? I mean, look around, it's so beautiful. Um, you see families, you see uh, young folks, um, and just everybody that's here. Um, last time, last year we was at Martinez. Uh, we partnered with uh, Del Cielo Brewery in Martinez, and that was also an awesome event. Always good to have everybody gathered together. And then lastly, what would you just say to folks out there, just kind of bring openness and understanding? I think, you have to, uh, once again, show visibility um, that you're here, you're present, but there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of folks that are, are really not out and, and active and uh, being themselves because of the stigma. I say to them, uh, please don't let that bother you. Please look in your heart and show who, who you are to everybody. Where do you think all that stigma comes from? Because we tried to talk about it earlier with other folks. It just seems like 
being born here in the United States, it's like man, woman, good, anything else, bad. So how do you see this stigma and just where it comes from and how do we beat this? Stigma comes from people who are talking about things they know nothing about and they know nobody in that community. Uh, a lot of times they hate the community when actually it's their uncles, their kids, their father, their mother, their sister. Uh, so you're gonna hate a community that's your family. All right, Christina, thank you very much for um, speaking with me and thank you for supporting KPFA. What's your favorite KPFA shows? Of course, Free Wheeling Franklin, uh, Full Circle, and um, Blues by the Bay and La Onda Bajita. Happy Pride, everybody. Thank you very much. Happy Pride to you too. Hi, everybody. How's it going? What a beautiful group of people out here today. Uh, so my name is Casey Gardner. I'm an educator here in Concord. Uh, I will not really be doing poems about being an educator, but uh, it's always in there somewhere. And um, how many folks here are familiar with spoken word? Anybody? Cool. This poem is called, This Poem is Gay. So I've gotten into the habit following the recent proliferation of don't say gay laws of calling pretty much everything gay especially if it has a rainbow on it. For example, not only are the flags gay, but the stores that hang the flags in them are gay. When I went shopping the other day, I said, I wanna go into that gay store. And my girlfriend's mom asked me, what's a gay store? To which I replied after some thought, it's a store that likes other stores. I mean, this month, pretty much every single store is gay. I recently saw a jogging store with a sign that said, live, love, run in rainbow. And while that still felt like a thinly veiled threat, that store and every single shoe in it is gay. But it's not just stores or banks or websites. It's like everything. Last year, I visited Niagara Falls as I stood on the shores watching the mist rise from the ever cascading currents as they tumbled haphazardly over one another. A rainbow appeared in the sunlight and all I could think was, dang, that water is so gay, it publicly makes love to other water. In the month of June, my classroom becomes very gay. As students rustle in their seats waiting for the final school bell to ring, I plaster the walls in safe space posters and pride flags, wear my gayest t-shirts, color code all the assignments in rainbows, and maybe this is my way of saying, if here is the only place you are safe to be yourself, don't forget that you can always come back. And what I'm saying is that all of this is still not enough. In sophomore year, my friend moved across the country. 15 years later, I visited the city she died in and now it is covered in big gay flags, but maybe if it would have been back then, she might not have killed herself. I wish I could have told her, if California is the only place you are safe to be you, don't forget that you can always come back and this is not an old problem. Three years ago, one of my students traded in a MAGA hat for a new name and her first dress, and I am so proud of her. But I wish it didn't take her a lifetime of crisis and self-hatred to get her the help she needed to find herself. I wish that mental health services were free, like they are at Rainbow or Transcompetent, or that there was a science class that ever told her water is gay 
And it can be ice or mist or fluid just like you. And I wish we weren't still fighting. I wish that calling the Supreme Court gay could make it stop stamping out progress. I wish it was a court that liked other courts or that all of the gay churches I see now could undo the damage done by the ones who only think in black and white, man and woman, holy and damned. And as much as I love Bud Light for putting a trans woman on a can, the problem isn't so much that she wasn't there in the first place, but that so many still aren't ready for her to be yet. And yes, representation matters, but so do the thousands that need to feel safe and seen more than they need to be a corporate mascot. Because as much as Netflix and Disneyland and Salesforce are gay now, so are people. Especially those who don't know what to call this strange yearning inside of themselves that desperately seeks language. This clanging of bells filling an echoing cathedral, the song that only those who have heard know the words to. The beauty we understand that sometimes only comes out after a rainstorm, and isn't that what pride is about? being seen and loud and visible when those who hate us want to shoved back into silence. So this poem is gay. It is a poem that likes other poems. And it is a rainbow, and it is an unanswered prayer, and so am I, and maybe so are you. And all of this has a name that deserves to be shouted from the rooftops. Oh, it's so nice. Thank you so much for listening to me. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Be sure to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, for important links and information related to tonight's show, including some pictures and video I took at the Pride in the Plaza event and a couple more clips I didn't have time to share tonight. Also, be sure to check out First Voice Media Facebook page for videos, live streams, and other content that doesn't make the air. Let me give a big shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive director is Miss M. And me, Freewell and Franklin, I'm the technical director for this show, Full Circle. And I've also been your host tonight. Also, a big shout out to Christina Zaldana of Rainbow Community Center. Thanks for your kind words about Full Circle and our reporting, and thank you for supporting KPFA. And thank you all for listening, everyone. Remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. <laughs>